0: Futurized goes beneath the trends to track the underlying forces of disruption in tech, policy, business models, social dynamics, and the environment. I'm your host, Trun Arnevenheim, futurist, author, investor, and serial entrepreneur. Join me as I discuss the societal impact of deep tech, such as AI, blockchain, IoT, nanotech, quantum, robotics, and synthetic biology, and tackle topics such as entrepreneurship, trends, or the future of work. On the show, I interview smart people with a soul, founders, authors, executives, and other thought leaders, or even the occasional celebrity. Futurized is a bi-weekly show preparing you to think about how to deal with the next decade's disruption so you can succeed and thrive no matter what happens. Futurized, conversations that matter. In episode 130 of the podcast, the topic is future bestsellers. Our guest is Vikrant Sharia. CEO and founder of bestsellingbook.com. In this conversation, they talk about why people write big books these days, and what does it do for you? What is your, and what is authority? And how do you make it work in a monetization strategy? What is a bestseller? We discuss Vikrant's framework to produce, publish, and profit. If you're new to the show, seek particular topics, or are looking for a great way to tell your friends about the show, which we always appreciate, we've got the episode categories. Those are at futurized.org episodes. They are collections of your favorite episodes organized by topic, such as entrepreneurship, trends, emerging tech, or the future of work. That'll help new listeners get a taste of everything that we do here, starting with a topic they are familiar with or want to go deeper in. The host of this podcast, Trond Arne Unheim, PhD, is the author of Health Tech, Future Tech, Pandemic Aftermath, Disruption Games, and Leadership from Below. For an overview, go to Books at trondundheim.com slash books. At this stage, Futurized is lucky enough to have several sponsors. To check them out, go to futurized.org slash sponsors. If you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, or to get an overview of other services provided by the host of this podcast, including how to book him for keynote speeches, please go to futurize.org slash store. We will consider all brands that have a demonstrably positive contribution to the future. Before you do anything else, make sure you are subscribed to our newsletter on futurize.org where you can find hundreds of episodes of conversations that matter to the future. I hope you can also leave a positive review on iTunes or in your Favorite podcast player. It really matters to the future of this podcast. Thanks so much. Let's begin.
1: Vikrant, how are you? Hey, everyone. I'm doing good. Really excited for our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah,
2: sure. I mean, it's not every day. I get someone on the show who, who knows how to create bestsellers. It, for me, that's like, it's a, it's a dream, right? Because you, I write a lot and you want to reach out to an audience and, and bestseller is kind of the ultimate. That's the ultimate thing.
1: Yep, it is. And actually, uh, also we will be maybe discussing that how to use that bestseller to leverage it and also um, achieve what you want to achieve in your business and in your career.
2: Well, we will discuss all of that. I just wanted to first, because that's kind of interesting always with somebody who, you know, has knowledge, deep knowledge in the subject. I, I was just kind of curious what brought you to this point. So I know that you uh, you grew up and you are based in India. And um, like, I guess, many uh, Indians, your parents were very uh, adamant that you got, you know, education and that you uh, chose a certain path. And here you are as an entrepreneur. Can you explain... me what happened.
1: Yeah, sure. So um it started maybe 13, 14 years ago when my dad asked me, after I graduated from a high school, that what do you want to become in your life? And I didn't want to sound dumb. So I told him that I wanna be an engineer because all of my friends and peers they they were taking admission in engineering colleges. So I told him that I'll be an engineer and he thought that I'm very much serious about my life. So he sold his land and got my admission in an engineering college. And here I was in another city, um, completely hating all the lectures. It was very theoretical and I wasn't liking that at all. And um, although I was liking the environment, I was kind of a free, uh, there was no pressure from my parents. Like I was living in another city but still I was hating the lectures and I thought like after discussing with my seniors and also people like who got placed in, um, companies MNCs after the completion of engineering, they were not happy. I also saw their workplace and I realized that it is not for me. So, um, in my college library, I discovered a self-help section and, uh, I started, I used to read a lot of books and one fine day, in my, co- in my third semester, I discovered and found a book, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And um, I read that book, and it completely changed my perception about life and finance. And uh, the very same day, I decided to do something of my own in the eyedropper of the college the very same day. And um, here I was, uh, I guess I was 17, 18, and I started a company by borrowing some money from my friends, my seniors, and made a bunch of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, right? Hired maybe seven new employees in the first week and still not sure that what i will be doing, but basically a lot of mistakes. And within six months, I completely ran out of money. I had no money to pay my employees to run my business. So I had to shut down the company. And I was now 18 in financial debt, not able to pay my rent, my bill, uh, with a broken laptop and a 2G internet speed, searching online, how to make money online. And then I discovered self-publishing. And this is the my first introduction to uh, writing books and publishing books and making some money out of it. So f- moving fast forward, like I, I wrote some books. and And then like I also, there were a few people like who started reaching out to me that, hey, like, can you help me out? We have seen that, like you are posting stuff on Facebook, and uh, I started helping them with my coaching and consultation. And from there, like there, are, there were so many people like whom I worked. They started reaching out to me like, "Your stuff is good, good, but we really don't have the time to do all of these things. Can you help me?" And then I thought that there's a big opportunity out there. There are amazing ideas, amazing stories, and message to be sh- shared with the world in the form of a book, but People don't have the time and skill set to sit down and write the book. And I assembled a team of writers, editors, uh, designers, marketers, and created this done for you book writing, publishing, marketing company, through which now we help entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and experts, coaches, in turning their ideas into best selling books. So that's the journey.
2: All right. So that's the journey. Um, let, let's sort of go back to the basics. Why, why do people write books these days? You must have developed a pretty keen sense of that because you speak to so many who would be authors and you are an author yourself. Um, what is your best guess as to why people want to write a book these days? Because it's kind of an old-fashioned
1: thing to do. <laughs> and it is, I would say like it is still old-fashioned. Somewhere down the line, most of the people, they have this in their mind. They have this in their mind that One fine day, they will be writing a book. They have this kind of a sense of desire in their mind since the beginning, maybe when they start a company or whenever they, they thought that like they they always think that when this company is going to be successful or when I'll be reaching to this point, I'll be sharing my message or my story or my journey in a book. I really want to write a book. And that's what happens to like so many people, right? And uh, first of all, that is a sense of desire. It is not, Entangled with like what is is it gonna help me maybe with clients and all like with with my branding? The first thing is like they have this sense of desire that they want to be an author. They want to write a book. And um, also, like if you go to professionals like uh, those people, they see that most of their competition, uh, people or folks in their industry, they are writing books, they are also taking leverage from there. So, then they also want to be into that spot. They also want to write a book, to establish their authority, to build their brand, to get more clients, to raise their reputation. So these are a few things through which they really want to write a book.
2: but what what does a book do for you these days? because i I noticed on your website you talk about establishing yourself as an authority. and And that sounds also old-fashioned, but maybe necessary and and kind of cool. First off, I guess, is it necessary to be an authority these days? I almost question that premise because if you think about the influencers around the world, I don't know that they they are authorities in any meaningful way. They just have a a big audience in a certain segment of consumption, and that you know gives them fame. But authority is sort of a different thing, but do you think authority is still important like that the the assumption that someone has uh you know has something valuable is that what 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 you're
1: advising your clients to to build so actually book is kind of a vague means and of course like there are so many people out there they have maybe a big followers of on youtube or some like so many people like you great people like who have built an amazing podcast and have thousands and thousands of followers so book is also like a vehicle just like these different platforms like youtube like like instagram like uh, like podcast book is also a vehicle and the thing is that if you become an author then people see you differently and that's what actually authority is like for example if maybe 10 people are going to reach out to you they will say that hey like i want to talk about this topic and out of 10 maybe 3 people are authors so, you'll be inclined towards those authors, and maybe out of three, one person is a best selling author on the same topic. So, you will see them something else. Like, you will know that this person has something which is valuable and which can be also helpful for me and my audience. So, this is what actually the book does. Like, it helps you stand yourself apart from the crowd. Right? There could be maybe thousands of different experts on the topic, but what is different in you? And that's what a book could do for you. Well, but
2: the emphasis is on could, right? Because what, I mean, self-publishing is wonderful. I've tried it. Um, it gives you all the freedom. It gives you all the royalties. It gives you all the control. However, it also gives you all the responsibility for not just producing the entire book, but also for marketing it. And, uh, it's one thing if you have an audience, like if you somehow through one avenue have an audience, regardless where you assemble that audience. But, you know, I don't know, you could be a sports player or you could, you know, have it from some some avenue. And then you can maybe piggyback on that and say, Well, you know, my nice community, I've now written a book. And then presumably some of them will love it enough that you can actually get away with self-publishing. But I guess I want to try to just question this notion that everybody can write a bestseller either through you or through any other means, because don't you really just need to build an audience no matter how you do it? So old fashioned way is, you know, you wait for to, to be discovered. And then when you're discovered, you either have an agent or someone who pitches you to either a publisher or whatever content you're producing. And then there is some sort of established authority that says, I will distribute you. I will take on the hard task of making you a star. And once I made you a star, we can do all kinds of things. So that's kind of the traditional way of doing it. And you're kind of arguing some sort of hybrid approach here, which I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to, what is it that you're actually saying that people uh, have the chance to do? And maybe you could also address what, what does a bestseller mean? in this environment that you're talking about because surely you're not talking about selling hundreds of thousands of copies that's enormously hard but you're talking about some level of celebrity or some level of saying i have a best-selling book that is enough to catapult you into at least being able to credibly say on your website that you know you you are an author you're an authority you've sold books and then start to monetize. Just just line up for me, how realistic is it basically to either create your own sort of authority or use a third party like yourself to facilitate that
1: process? Yeah, sure. And I also want to touch um, about the traditional route as well. Uh, and there are still like a lot of people like we still have, um, you can say a myth um, that that if... Traditional publishers are going to choose you. You'll be maybe a star or a celebrity. But the thing is that um, when you publish a book or if someone is going to visit a bookstore or maybe someone is searching your book, searching any type of book on Amazon, they don't check in the back or maybe like who exactly the publisher is. What they're searching for is whether this book can really help me um, for my problem or not, whether this book has a solution or not. This is what they're looking for. And there are millions of examples of uh, traditional publishing books, like, which became extremely failures. And uh, there are also several different examples of books like which were self-published or hybrid-published. And they achieved what they wanted to achieve, right? The purpose was achieved, which, they, like, which the authors wanted to achieve with those books. And that's what we want to understand, that you are not writing the book for yourself, you're writing the book for the actual reader. And the actual reader actually don't care whether it is from Wiley or it is a self-published book. They don't care. They just care about their problem and whether this problem could be solved from the book or not. And uh, now let's talk about the best-selling status. So of course, you know that there are so many different platforms where you can become best-sellers. First one is New York Times bestseller very prestigious list then there's a wall street journal or usa today and then there's an amazon bestseller now whenever we talk about bestseller we need to understand that these different platforms and what are the different requirements so um, if you go for a new york Times bestseller first of all here is one of the best benefit of traditional publishers like they only choose they only go for traditional publishing companies so if you're a self-published author then there are no chance that you they will be selecting your book. Um, there could be exceptions, but uh, but yeah, like they really look for traditional publishing companies, and at the same time, they also look for that how many copies you have sold in the first week. So if you have sold maybe in one week, you need to sell around fifteen to twenty thousand sales for the paperback, and at the same time, you also have to get. Certain amount of media placements get on certain amount of podcasts and all kind of different things. Basically, also these editors from New York Times bestseller, they also look for these things to determine whether this book is worthy enough to be on the bestseller chat on New York Times. Currently, we don't offer that service because it is not guaranteed. Maybe in the future, we will be we are planning to have that service as well. We are building that thing. The second is um, Wall Street Journal or US Today. Uh, you have to get around five thousand to seven thousand sales in a week for the ebook and uh, if you do that, then of course there would be ninety nine percent chances that you they will be selecting you as on their bestseller list and we offer that service then also there's a uh, another list, Amazon bestseller and Amazon bestseller is actually you can say it it updates hourly right. So there's no editor or someone like who selects whether the book is bestseller or not. So it is kind of a completely automation. No, no, automation. So um, to be bestseller on Amazon, like you have to um, uh, understand the algorithm. You have to understand that what kind of categories you have to go for, find the right categories, figure out how many sales the number one book is getting in that specific category. For example, if the number one book is getting maybe five hundred sales in a day, so your goal is to get more than 500 sales so that your book can outrank the number one book and you can become a bestseller. So these are the different um, uh, places, different platforms where you can become a bestseller.
2: That's, that's very instructional, but how do you find sales numbers? I mean, sales numbers for books, I mean, you'd have to buy like a Nielsen subscription service or something. Amazon doesn't really, I mean, are you just uh, uh, assessing that based on how highly they
1: are ranked? Uh, so currently, there are tools out there like which help you determine the number of sales. One of the tools is Publisher Rocket. So uh, you can simply get like it is I guess ninety nine dollars or something one time investment, and through there, like you can easily find out the number one sales, the different types of book, and what type of sales they're getting. Also, what are their ranking, how hard it is to rank over there. It is clearly like you can see everything on the detailed basis. What's the Amazon um, search searches uh, per month for any specific keyword, Google searches per month for any specific keyword. So you can know like what kind of keywords and categories to use on your book. So this is going to help you determine the number of sales the number one book is getting or any kind of books which they are getting. I mean, this
2: is, uh, this is super interesting, I'm sure, to many in my audience who are either writing books or want to write books and, and want to do it maybe in different ways. Tell me about the, the book writing process, because you have this uh, three-step process. You've kind of structured it in a template.
1: So yeah, sure. you, you're
2: not de- demystifying it a little bit because, you know, I mean, you, you sort of think of, oh, writing a book, I have to have this big idea. I have to like churn it and really think about it. And then I have to have some talent to actually put it into words. And then there's this grueling editing process. And then at some point, obviously, you have to put it into a proposal and and, and pitch it. And like, it, you know, it, it all is actually pretty time-consuming and grueling. It's a hard process. But you have... Templatized it a little bit what, what what are
1: the steps yeah sure so um whenever you go to bestsellingbook.com you can see these different phases or different pillars so the first phase is produce produce phase is all about producing the manuscript and of course we'll go in detail how to produce the manuscript but the overview thing is like you have to uh, write the book over here do the editing, do the proofreading. And over, over here, the book or manuscript is produced. Then comes the publish phase, which is all about preparing the book for publishing and the distribution process. Here you have to do the cover designing, interior designing, book trailer video, ISBN number, publishing on Amazon, or maybe if you wanna go over expanded distribution, like Barnes & Nobles or Apple Books, then you can go with Spark. And then comes the profit phase, which is all about doing the marketing, getting sales, getting reviews, doing the PR, and then maybe hitting the number one bestseller spot. So all kind of stuff. These are the simple three pillars or three phases to turn your ideas into bestseller. So, uh, do you, if you have any question about any of these things, we can go in detail. But no, um, the-
2: not not super detailed. But I was just curious. You know, these three stages. Uh, so at your particular company, you happen to do all three either as a package. I understand, or you can actually buy. Pieces of it. So yeah. I could just say, for example, I have a book coming out soon. I could say, hey, I need some help with just the marketing stage of that book. And you would even jump in and, and then n- n- do that. But you could also say, you're able to do all three. And I was just, maybe, maybe that's what I wanted to talk about uh, first. It's just when you basically trust you with the whole process, you have a pretty I don't know if it's an aggressive price point, but you're have you you're charging some amount of money and, you know, prices in this market aren't super transparent, but there's other actors out there like Forbes Books and others that have a similar business model. But, you know, Forbes is a brand, so they can trade on being, you know, Forbes. And they have turned that into sort of a book, book producing, uh, you know, agency. How is it that you can, as a, you know, as a startup, in a sense, produce the same value as established U.S. big brands? Or, or it, is that not your value proposition?
1: Actually, like whenever we go to Forbes book, uh, you're right. Um, so the main company's advantage, right? That's the main company. Or whenever you publish for maybe 25 grand, 50 grand range, then right. your imprint or the publishing company is going to be in, uh, advantage, not the Forbes book. But if you need that imprint for Forbes Books, then you have to pay around maybe more than $200,000. The thing is that um, they, they completely, they are selling on their brand. They, of course, they are in the business for more than 100 years and people trust them. People, they have big followers and that's where they want to go just for that Forbes Books imprint on their book. They are paying this much and that is fine. But the process is almost similar to go with the process. It is completely similar. We have identified so many different ways through which we can reduce the the investment and also serve the clients. So they are happy, we are happy, and we help them turn their ideas into, into a professional looking board let's talk about the angel writers. You have this
2: notion of an angel writer. How, well, how is that? I mean, essentially it's some sort of a ghostwriter is the traditional term, but I mean, you you have a a mix, I guess, of in-house and, and I'm sure you use, you know, like consulting help and, and sort of like independent workers to some extent, who are these angel writers? And, um, I guess that would really depend, right? If you got a really good writer, I for sure uh, for sure, have had really good developmental editors. I haven't really had full ghost writers, but I have had people who are really helpful at structuring my book. How do you find these great angel writers and how do you do the matching? That would seem to me not to be an algorithm. That's actually hand-tailored
1: stuff. That's, yeah, that's a manual process. Yeah. So when we Whenever we say annual, uh, sorry, whenever we say angel writing, it is kind of a hybrid version of ghost writing. And these are the normal ghost writers, but they follow our angel writing system. So, uh, like, of course, like I have pulled my hand several times, like after working with several different writers. And of course, I'm in this industry for around 10 years. And initially, when I realized that uh, most of the ghost writers, right? Especially those people like uh, who uh, who were very in the beginning phase. Like what they used to do is uh, they used to just take your book out, outline, right, and then they completely disappear for three months or four months, and then after three months they come up with a manuscript, and you really don't like that manuscript because you feel like because these writers they write the book uh, for you, but in their voice, with their with their ideas and message. These people, they don't understand you. So what we have done is we have created a system for ghostwriters so that of course, now they they are angel writers. And what they do is uh, they basically interview you with for every chapters, right? Including the book outline. They will be helping you. They'll be brainstorming with you to create the book outline. And once it is done, then they will work with you chapter by chapter and then they write the entire book for you. But the thing is like for every chapters, There'll be several interviews so that they exactly understand your ideas, message stories, experiences, expertise, and then they write the book for you in your authentic voice. And the best part is we offer unlimited revision. So for example, if the first draft for chapter one is written, they send it to you, then you provide your feedback and you don't have to provide the feedback by typing or something. You can simply record a video, you can open another call with them and then you can share your feedback. And then they, again, write the entire like fix the things whichever you want to fix and this is how we go chapter by chapter and once you are happy with the chapter one then we move forward with the chapter two so this is what the angel writing thing is which makes sure that the book is written in your words. that's the number one priority for us that's our goal is which makes sure that uh because see like we can produce bestseller but if the product or the book is a product like if it is not good if it is not good enough you will not feel happy the readers will not feel happy you will get negative reviews that we we don't want that so to avoid that like we really produce we really handpick these writers and of course if you talk about how we find these writers so we have around in these 10 years like we have developed relationship with around thousands of angel writers and they have their inner influence so whenever a client comes to us like we ask them to fill out a book information form. They fill out a form. We distribute to those people, like who are in the who have written the book on the same topic, and uh, then usually within three to five working days, we get around maybe fifty people wanting to work wanting to work with this client. They also provide their writing sample. They also provide that why they think that they are the best fit for this project, and to make it easy for them, we shortlist just four or five people, and show it to the client. The client can review their profile, review their work, and then they can shortlist maybe two or three of them. They can interview them. And from those interviews, they can decide that which other person they want to work with. And in case if they don't like um, any writer from the first batch of five people, we send them another batch of five people. So this is how we make sure that they are matched with, they're matched with the perfect angel writer. So that there's kind of a synchronicity among both of them. So that's how our angel writing process. Fascinating stuff.
2: Um, can we talk a little bit about the profit phase? Because that's, that's one that it would seem really is, well, I mean, angel writing, if it works, that sounds fascinating as well. But if you think about the profit phase, that's where a lot of us fail, right? We've written this wonderful book. We have either self-published it or we could even have published it with traditional publishers. It's happened to me. And then you know, you try to put together your little marketing plan and you, you know, optimistically do your little outreach to whatever email list you have. And, you know, maybe I'm just talking about my own shortcomings. But at the end of the day, you know, you may or may not sell a lot of books, right? You could sell some initially, uh, or you might be able to catch a wave. It's just that it would seem to me that a lot of us as authors, we feel like that phase is so much out of our control. It's an area we don't specialize in. Or it starts to feel really awkward when you're doing it yourself because you're selling your own ideas in a way that's, you know, slightly markety, And that's hard when you are the the author of those ideas. So how do you get around that? And what what sort of advice, I guess, do you have to, to people who are trying to sell books, whether they want to go with your system or not? What are the steps that authors still have to do? And what are the things that they can do in, in order to maximize, um, well, first the sale of their book, and then let's get into the adjacent uh, revenue streams that I, I, I'm I assuming is much more important to, to authors uh, these days, right? It is not just becoming a bestseller, it is, of course, that's what you want to be able to say, but the real money, I would assume, for most authors is in the other business models and, and products that you can create. But anyway, could you address a little bit the role of the writer and what sort of choices you, you have to to maximize the, your financial incentives, which after all, you know, an
1: author has to live. Sure. Uh, we will be discussing the marketing of the book and the sales, and also how to monetize your bestseller. Maybe leverage it to pull your back in business and make some money out of it. So we'll be discussing all of these three things. So whenever we talk about marketing or the promotion, the promotion always starts with the from the product end. And of course, in this case, we have the product ready. And over here, the product is our book. But before we simply go to the publish and the promotion phase, we have to do the packaging of this product in such a way so that people find it uh, valuable. People perceive the, the, the product as something which can help them solve the problem, help it uh, and and packaging if you talk about packaging it is all about the cover designing it is description it is title and subtitle so uh, because the thing we need to understand that we are you are not just publishing your book on amazon or any other retailer or platform you are publishing your brand on these platform people are going to judge you people are going to uh, see you over there and uh, that's the reason Like you have to take it very seriously you have to find really right kind of uh, book cover, right kind of a title and subtitle in the description. And nowadays, like, of course, it is very easy to do the AB testing. You can either run some AB testing on maybe Facebook polls or LinkedIn polls. There's also a paid platform, which I really like. It's called Pickfu.com, P-I-C-K-F-U.com, where uh, you can simply, maybe if you have three different book cover design options, you can do the A/B testing. You can get the real-time people, like who are going to be providing the, uh, who will be voting the different covers. They'll also be providing the feedback on which cover they liked and why they liked it, so that you can make the adjustments. So you are, and you can also define these different audience. You can define that what what's going to what should be their educational level, what should be the age range, what's their um, where exactly they live, all kind of different things, and how many books they are. Reading. For an example, if you just want to select maybe people like who read at least four nonfiction or self-help books, you can select over there. So these people are the best people to tell you because they are maybe reading books four times uh, a month. So they will be exactly tell you, uh, they are the right people to tell you which should be the book cover, what should be the title and subtitle or description. So you can do the A B testing and find the right thing. Don't go on the assumption. Go on the data. Go on. The numbers, like what exactly the numbers are saying, and first of all, go with that. So we have the product ready. We have done the proper packaging. Then comes the publishing. Publishing is not, not very complicated, uh, but once you publish a book, then comes the promotion phase. And we talk about when we talk about promotion or marketing, uh, then the first thing which you should do is the on-page SEO of Amazon. So what is on-page SEO? So Basically, it is uh, Amazon is kind of a Google. It is like a Google. Uh, it also has this search engine optimization algorithm going on in the backend. So whenever we go to Amazon, we just don't look for any c- categories or subcategories to find any book or any product. What we do is we simply use the search bar. We type the keyword, maybe leadership book or maybe marketing book or something. like We use these keywords. So to make sure that we find the right type of keywords, you can use, again, the same tool called Publisher Rocket to figure out what kind of keywords are getting the maximum number of um, uh, maximum number of searches per month and also which has less competition. So you can go with that. You can also choose the right type of categories using Publisher Rocket. And you can Im- embed those keywords in your description or maybe in your title or subtitle. So this, this is what the on-page SEO is. So once it is done, then comes the like, maybe you can leverage and which is kind of a more reliable. It is because of course, for example, if you have a followers of maybe 10,000 people at after a certain period of time, they you will be, you will be completely used all of them, right? You'll not be getting sales from them. So you can use their Amazon platform itself to promote your book. And for that, you can leverage Amazon apps. So, uh, of course there's a learning curve to learn Amazon ads, but, and of course it also takes some time because Amazon keywords or Amazon, like it, it has a kind of a, some time period to do the CD for those keywords. So maybe you will start seeing results after two or three weeks. But if you want to see the results very, very fast from paid ads, then you can leverage book, bub ads, B-O-O-K-B-U-B ads, where you can simply go there, find the right kind of, uh, Authors simply choose those people. And now your book is going to be uh, visible to only those people who are the followers of those specific authors, or maybe you can choose different categories as well, but you can start seeing result or sales from today itself. If you start the campaign today, you start seeing the results from today itself. And then there are some, all the different ways as well. And nowadays one best thing, which is working really great is uh, getting on podcast or being guest on podcast. It is working really, really great. Uh, so there's a platform out there called ListenNotes.com, where people can, sim- people can simply go there and type. Maybe for example, if they, if they have written a marketing book, they can search for marketing. They're going to be tens of thousands of episodes and podcasts over there on marketing. You can do the filtration based on top 10%, top 5%, top 3%, 1%. So and also, you can find uh, the host's website in their email address. You can reach out to them. Hey, like I listened to your podcast, and uh, with this episode, and I really enjoyed that. And I think I can add more value to your audience. Here's my book. And of course, if you're an author or a best-selling author, they're more likely that they're going to be uh, happy to be to be uh, getting you on the getting you on their podcast. So,
2: so I've noticed a lot of authors contact me. Why is it? That podcasts have become so popular. Do you think for for authors is it has it to do with COVID or was it always like this that podcasts and authors were like a, a kind of a match made in heaven? It's obviously you have a topic to talk about that I find you know it, it's an advantage because otherwise you know you you need to come up with a topic based on some other metric. So it's good because you have a subject matter and then you know if they send you the book in advance, you you can actually learn something. So that's that's useful. But podcast listeners
1: are also readers. Is that the assumption? It is, and actually, podcast listeners are readers, but they they don't uh, actually read the Kindle book or the physical book. They go with the audio books. So, if you have an audio book platform as well, that's a great made it heaven match. So, uh, and of course, like people, like think about like top podcasts in the world, like Impact Theory kind of thing. Uh, 99% of the guests on this platform, they are authors. So uh, for for some reason, like they really enjoy it because they have kind of a reference point to talk. They know exactly what kind of questions to ask. And the best thing is like, if you are on a podcast around of your book, the host is going to be asking questions just about your book. And in the end, they will be asking where people can find you and your book. So this is kind of a free promotion. you are also doing the branding, and you can get so many sales from uh, this strategy itself. so so let me know like if you if you want to discuss anything in detail over here or we can go over the monetization No, I, I look, I mean, you have a very
2: clear way of describing this. I, I mean I know some of these strategies from having read about them and tried them out, but uh, when you explain it and the tools that you pick and suggest it's it's such a curated version of how you should go about it so it's actually really instructive i find it really interesting i wanted though to get to the monetization part so all right so say you've written a book and then you know you wrote a book because you wanted to get a message out but you also have to live so there are some other things you you clearly want to sell some books that would be nice right now you have an income but maybe you have a consulting firm or maybe you have some ambitions that this book can give you uh, more income than you know, whatever the low number of dollars per, per book that, that, that's gonna remain yours after Amazon and, and all the expenses, and maybe you have a traditional publisher that takes 90% of the royalties, whatever the situation might be, at the end of the day, unless you sell more than 5,000 books, it's not the sales of the books that are gonna matter, it is all the other stuff. How do you get all the other stuff working, and do, do you have any advice on that? So there's yes, courses yes. you can make coaching like this is not easy, right? anyone can put out an offer on their website but h- how, how do you activate that
1: through the through through the book marketing process yeah, sure um, and the first thing or the first step which we have to really understand, of course we know that using a book you can have a coaching line or a video course, or you can also get a speaking or on stage, all kind of different things. But we need to understand that whenever a reader buys a copy on Amazon or any other platform, Amazon or those retailers, they will never share the reader's detail. You will never be able to know that who is, what's the name of the reader or the email address. So even if people are finding it very valuable, even if people are thinking that this author is amazing and it's awesome, still, you will never be able to get to know that. And this person maybe will never be able to reach out to you unless he's very much desperate and somehow is able to find your email address and then he's reaching out to you like, hey, I want to work with you.
2: Vikrant, so- that's very agonizing with some of these platforms. That <laughs> is very frustrating, right? Because you ha- right. you think you have a tie with, uh, with people that have even written a review, but you have no idea who they
1: are. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you, maybe you can have two, 200 or 250 or maybe 500 reviews, but still you can't reach out to them. That's against Amazon's policy. Like Amazon will never share their email address. So um, now how to fix it? So you need a strategy, or you can say like in a simple word, you need a funnel which you can embed inside your book so that even if people are not buying your book, still you can get these people's information. How is this possible? So uh, first thing we need to understand, like whenever you're writing books, especially nonfiction books, this is not applicable. Of course, this is applicable for fiction books as well, but not uh, with this strategy. So with nonfiction books, what you can do is you can have a giveaway which you can offer along with the book that could be a checklist. Checklist works really great, but you can also offer worksheet, maybe a canvas or maybe a, a mini video series or webinar, whatever it is. Like, so you can have, for example, if you're writing a book about marketing, then maybe you can have 10 steps checklist you can do today to improve your maybe landing page or something like that. And you can have this checklist or landing page or funnel, before the introduction itself so now what's going to happen is nowadays what's happening is before people buy the book they first of all check the book cover check the the reviews and then they also go through the look inside feature like there's a feature on amazon they can click on the book cover and they can read a few pages of the book with the help of look inside feature and over there you will be having that funnel which is going to help you generate subscribers or email list so even if people are not buying the book they're going to click on the link which is going to take them to a landing page where they have they can get your checklist or anything which you are offering in exchange of their email address and now with the help of email marketing software or email marketing series you can promote anything which you have right it could be anything. It could be a video course. It could be a coaching program. It could be a done-for-you services as well. Whatever it is, like you have to, first of all, get the customer's information. So then the monetization starts. Otherwise, you just have to um, maybe feel satisfied just with the book's royalties. In, the thing is, like the real money is in the back end. You can make some money from the royalties, but the real money is in the back end. And to really activate that, you have to generate the people's email address. And with the help of Lead Generation Funnel, you can you can do that.
2: All right, all well, fascinating stuff. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the future. Um, the outlook for content creators, is it positive from your perspective? I mean, we've talked about some of the uh, advantages, but there are also some limitations out there, right? These platforms are kind of not making it super easy for people. What do you think is the future of book creation? Um, and, and what what is the role of technology and, and, and platforms, whether it's yours or other platforms and then distribution platforms, in terms of making this easier or, or, or harder? I know, for example, that there are experiments in AI for content creation. You've, you've perhaps uh, looked into that yourself. There's obviously the teamwork kind of approach and the kind of the expert network, uh, you know, enlisting freelancers or, or a network uh, like, like yours to, to help you kind of scale yourself. Because at, at the end of the day, right, I might have 10 book ideas, but I can't write 10 books at the same time. So even if I am a writer, if I said, well, how do I scale this? Because, you know, let's say I sell X number of copies and that's not enough and I need to increase my output in some way. If I wanted to 10X my output of books, I mean, there was just no way I could do that alone. So tell me, how does this scale and how's it? how does it look
1: going forward? Yeah, sure. First of all, let's discuss about the future of uh, maybe book writing. Uh, so... Ten years ago or maybe 20 years years ago, like people like the self-publishing was not very kind of a cool thing. And people were not like maybe 14, 15 years ago, self-publishing came. And of course, now people are doing that. Um, And now, of course, more people are going towards self-publishing. And just like all the industry are changing, like transportation industry, communication industry has completely changed. Uh, Publishing industry has also changed a lot. And of course, it's going to change a lot in the future as well. But the thing which I've seen that um, book writing industry is kind of a similar, just like it was in the 19th century. In 19th century as well, (laughs) people used to like write books, Uh, like maybe of course they were using pen or paper or maybe stones. And now, of course, people have course writers, but still the process is same, like still uh, real people are writing the book. They are. Instead of writing on stone or or paper, they are using MS Word or Google Doc. They're still sitting down and writing the book. So what's the difference? Like, Of course, the book writing industry is completely changed, and the book writing industry is kind of a similar, and it's going to be changing in the future. And how we'll be doing that and how is it possible, this is possible with AI, it's artificial intelligence software, which is going to, I guess, not completely replace it, but at extent, it's going to replace the ghost writers. So uh, these AI softwares are going to be twenty-first century or maybe twenty-second century ghost writers for you. So two or three weeks ago, like I wrote an entire book using AI in just five days, a total ten hours, and these this is actually a full-fledged book, and if you and of course. the one thing which I did uh, just to show people that how powerful AI is becoming and maybe you know this this GP3 GPT-3 technology uh, which is going to like you just have to provide a command and then it starts writing stuff of course now people are using it for copywriting but maybe five years down the line or ten years down the line it is also going to be completely transformed the book writing thing as well and to show people that how it is very much effective is. Uh, I documented the entire book writing process using AI. And the, the AI tool, which I used, was Jarvis.ai. So um, initially it was conversion.ai, but now they have rebranded it to Jarvis.ai. It is really good, really good software. Uh, so people can now simply give command to these machines. And of course, you used to people used to give command to the coastriders as well. The same thing, like you have to give command to these tools or this technology and they will be writing the book for you. And this is what I did. Uh, and this is going to completely change the future of book, book writing.
2: When's your book coming out?
1: So uh, maybe next month or in one or two months, but yes, it is going to come.
2: Well, keep me posted on that. That's, that certainly sounds sounds interesting. Was it Was it such a good experience that you think You will try to scale this and and do it more or are you just doing it as an experiment to see kind of what happens when you put it out in the in the market
1: yeah the first thing is like i wanted to show it as an experiment and i also wanted to create some kind of a challenge for people so that even if like what we have seen that of course there are maybe if if 100 people come to us every month and if 10 people or 20 people like enrolling our services remaining people those people like who don't have the financial resources to invest in the services i wanted them to write the book but still they don't have the time they don't have the skill set but now there's no excuse they can still write the book even if they don't have the time don't have the skill set don't have the money as well to use ai to write the book and to uh, and this challenge they can people can find on bestsellingbook.com/challenge and over there like they can exactly understand that how i uh, what kind of commands you have to give to these tools what exactly you have to come up with before you start uh, using these tools how to create the book outline how to write the title subtitles and you can do all of these things with jarvis.ai Aren't you uh, putting yourself out of business
2: now? Or is this, you know, you think it's not good enough to, for main stage, it's going to be kind of this low, the low-end part of your offering. You'll in, include it somehow in in your offering. Is that what you're thinking?
1: And the thing we need to understand that uh, what I'm seeing is the technology is going to completely change this industry. So either I should complain about it, or either I should make something which is going to be are useful for people at the same time will also be in the business and what our business model could be is when people are going to write the book they have the product but still they still need all the other services like editing proofreading cover designing book formatting book trailer video maybe publishing and marketing sales reviews and there we're going to help them out at the same time um we will be uh, We'll try to make ourselves as a leader in the space by showing them that how this new technology uh, can help them write the book from scratch. And I believe there are going to be still so many people out there like who will be frustrated while using these tools. They will still not be uh, that, hey, like uh, I, I can't understand technology. Please help me write the book. I, I'm good with talking people. I can just talk with the people, and then that person can write the book for me. I'm fine with that. So, like, I'm seeing. I've seen all the different type of uh, um, options which is going to appear for us, and we're happy with that. Like we we are open towards anything which is going to happen.
2: Interesting. Well, it's fascinating. You have written. I guess two books already: "Power," the success mantra, and then "How to Write a Bestseller." So, and uh, uh, now this will be your third book, and they were, it, to some extent, bestsellers. So, are you thinking this uh, this AI book? Are you going to try to make that uh, a bestseller? Have you put in place? Are you going to hire your own team to uh, yeah. uh, to market it?
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the plan. Great, great. Um, well, anything else that you can think of that that is uh, relevant to uh, to people who are thinking about this issue, or or you know things that we haven't covered when it comes to to what, what will be the future of bestsellers? I mean, for example, one thing that just comes to mind is 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 kind of um, are the bestsellers going to be the only books that survive, right? Because it's sort of going that way in the sense that you know even with traditional publishers, a little bit like venture capitalists. You invest in like 15 companies in a fund. And if one or two companies do really well, you do really well. If none of them go ballistic, most of your investments go, uh, you know, they don't go down to zero perhaps, but they certainly don't, you know, give you this kind of outsized gain because the outsized gain will necessarily just be a a, a few. Are you going to, do you think you are contributing to changing that and making this much more of an even uh, investment? So you know, if you invest in, in, what, in whatever it takes to, to write a book and you make it by some notion a bestseller, you can get a lot out of it. Is that sort of your notion here? Or do you think that at the end of the day, the market is gonna only want these massive bestsellers and that's sort of the only way to, to, to win in this market is to kind of, I guess, invest enough to really become a bestseller?
1: So actually, uh, whenever we say bestseller, like bestsellers don't stay on the bestseller chart forever. So maybe like, even when we go to New York Times bestseller, maybe most of them, they are bestseller, uh, on their own bestseller chart, maybe just for a week. Maximum of the books. If, if we go with Wall Street Journal or, um, USA Today, they're updated weekly. And there, maybe most, most of the book, they are just on the bestseller for a week. For Amazon, it is updated hourly, so most of the book, they are on bestseller for maybe just just one day, two days. Some of them, they are seven days, and most of them, they are just on number one bestseller for one hour. So the thing is, like, uh, if you say bestseller, that uh, your book is not going to be stay on bestseller chart forever. There are going to be other books as well, and if you have to stay competitive, right? then you have to keep on selling more books. You have to focus on on the marketing. And the thing is, like, you have to really understand what the reader needs. And uh, the readers are looking for your book, but the problem is like, you're not able to show them that, hey, this book can help you. This book can solve your problem. That's the only problem. If you figure it out, maybe it could be getting on podcast. Maybe it could be doing paid ads. Maybe it could be some other avenue which is going to happen in the future. But the thing is, like these are the things which is going to you have to keep in mind that you have to really f- uh, find that reader who is having that problem and who needs the solution. And if you talk about the uh, one more future, I think uh, the audio audiobooks market is increasing a lot. So initially, uh, it was most of them they were paperback, and now we are seeing that uh, there are so many people they they've shifted to digital books. And now again, people are again shifting to audiobooks, maybe because of the podcast boom. So, um, so yep, uh, this, these are kind of some of the futures of uh, book writing and publishing and marketing.
2: Vikrant, it's fascinating. I think you have taught my listeners a bit. You've taught me a lot and, you know, I... I knew a little bit about the field, but uh, just the way that you explain it very clearly, uh, and I'm assuming this is the lessons you've put into your company. So if that's any indication, I think, uh, I think people are, are doing well by, by uh, going with you. Um, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, Tron, for having me. It was great. All right, so I will stop the tape.
0: You have just listened to episode 130 of the Futurize podcast with host Tron Arne futurist and author. If you're interested in Trans products and services, feel free to check out futurize.org store, where you can book a keynote speech, become a sponsor or partner, request a podcast swap, or buy a few of Trans books, such as Health Tech, Future Tech, Pandemic Aftermath, Disruption Games, or Leadership From Below. If you are interested in, in all of Tron's projects, check out his website, Trondentheim.com, which has links to his other podcasts as well as his public appearances. The topic of this episode was future bestsellers. In this conversation, we talked about why people write books, how they can produce, publish, and profit from it. My takeaway is that writing a bestselling book is every author's dream. I've written five, and I'm nowhere near a full understanding of what it takes. How can Vikrant claim to have discovered the formula? It's exciting to see outsider perspectives on publishing because this ancient business model is surely changing. So, it seems, the motivation to write a book shouldn't so much be to sell it in thousands of copies, as much as it should be to use it to become an expert and establish your authority and then use that platform to make a living in other ways. Makes a lot of sense. And then perhaps, with a bit of effort and investment, there's some method to selling a bunch of books too. Who knows what books will look like in the future and who will be writing and marketing them? Surely, the machines will help. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at futurized.org or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. If you like this topic, you may enjoy other episodes of Futurized, such as episode 91 two author podcasters discuss tech episode 93 orchestrating the freelance economy or episode 71 future tech a preview hopefully you'll find something awesome in these or other episodes and if so do let us know by messaging us we would love to share your thoughts with other listeners Futurized is created in association with Yegi, the insight network. Yegi lets clients create multidisciplinary dream teams consisting of subject matter experts, academics, consultants, data scientists, and generalists who are team leaders. Yegi's services include speeches, briefings, seminars, reports, and ongoing monitoring. You can find Yegi at yegi.org. The Futurized team consists of podcast host and sound technician Trond Unheim, videographer Raoul Eduard de Trivithan and podcast marketer Nahin Israfil Hazain. Please share this show with those you care about. To find us on social media is easy. We are Futurized on LinkedIn and YouTube and Futurized 2 on Instagram and Twitter. See you next time. Futurized. Conversations that matter.